Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today we are continuing the series that we have simply called I Am. And I just want to do a real quick review because I know people are on vacation and coming in and out, but I just want to kind of set us back to a foundation of where we got the name of the series. God saw his children being captive and they were slaves in Egypt. And so he wanted to deliver his people. And so he chose a man who had ran away from Egypt. And so he chose Moses, who was at the time, he was a shepherd, shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. And God spoke to him through a burning bush. And he says, I want you to go back to Egypt. And Moses was pretty smart because he says, okay, I need to know who's sending me. What is your name? See, Moses didn't have a good reputation. He didn't have a good name because he had killed an Egyptian So he wanted to know, if I go back there in my own name, it's not going to have credibility. But I need to know, and they need to know, what is your name? And God responded in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent me. Everybody say this with me. Say, my God. Come on, say it loud. My God has a name. He's not some force. He's not the big guy in the sky. Come on, somebody. He has a name and he says, I am that I am. That is the Hebrew word for Yahweh. It means the existing one. In the New Testament, Jesus had done some miracles and they were questioning his character. They wanted to know who he was. So Jesus responds with a name and they were pretty shocked because in John chapter eight, verse 58, Jesus said to them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And as you look deeper into this word Yahweh, because we talked about how Jesus is our Yahweh, Yahweh actually means redeemer, deliverer, savior. I want to say that again, redeemer, deliverer, savior. Phil, why do you say that? I say that because it's important because every name that we go through flows out of Yahweh. Actually, when you look at the translation of it, they translate it Jehovah because some of the writers felt they weren't worthy enough to write the name Yahweh, so they put Lord or Jehovah. That's who we sang about today, lifting up the name of Jehovah. But I want you to think about this, how amazing this is. All that we know about God is because he wants to reveal it to us. He wants you to know who he is. That's why he says, if you seek, you will find If you knock, the door will be open to you. So what he does is he gives us names to describe facets of his character. God is multifaceted. So he gives us a name. And we understand, and when we understand his names, guess what happens? We deepen our understanding of who he is. How many of you want to truly know who God is? Let me see your hand. Listen, and I'm not talking about in a religious way. I'm talking about knowing him, even in experience. And you understand, you know his voice. That's why we're going through these names. If you have your Bibles today, let's turn to Psalms 23, verse 1. And today we're going to focus on Jehovah Rahi. Jehovah Rahi, it is the Lord, our shepherd. David wrote this Psalm, Psalm 23, verse 1. I'm going to read it, but if you know it, can you speak it with me? Because many people know this, this. It's good to say the word of God. Are you ready? Right? It'll sound like hooked on phonics. Are you ready? Psalms 23, verse 1. Come on. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for... Let's pause right there for a minute. I don't know what you know about this psalm, but that's the purpose of it. 
for his name's sake. Verse four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's go home. You could read that. I already feel better. How many of you already feel better? It's amazing. It's amazing. This psalm is probably one of the most popular psalms in the Bible, apart from the Lord's Prayer. And it's a psalm that a lot of people quote from memory. It's a, it's a psalm that people can have on a plaque framed on their, on their refrigerator, you know. But here's the reality. You know, it is actually possible to recite this and yet not really believe what you said can be a reality that is activated in your life. I want to give you some context about this psalm. Many theologians believe that David was reciting this psalm to himself. Maybe Goliath could hear it. But as he was going into the valley to fight Goliath. Now, this is important. We read the Bible and we know the outcome of the fight, right? We read it, we know. So oftentimes when we do that, we can just gloss over things and it not be a big deal for us. They had David won. But you put yourself in David's shoes for just a moment. This is the fight of his life. He's, he's, he's fought a lion. He's fought a bear. But now this is the fight of his life. Watch this. There's two armies on each side. They're all watching him in the valley. Somebody say, that's pressure. And he's a teenager. And he's going into this fight. Now, this isn't a video game fight where you lose. You just press reset and start again. This is for life and death. And it may not mean a lot to you right now because you may not be in this situation, but I'm telling you, pastoring for 25 years, there are people who are watching right now and they are in a life and death situation. And so he's going into the fight of his life. It's the most critical time in his life. Can we learn from David today? He's the man, the Bible says, right? He is a man after God's own heart. We can learn about what he's going to do. Because I think if we do what David did, we can overcome the giants that David be, uh, overcame. And you can overcome the giants in your life. Listen to what he says. He's walking. I want you to picture this. He's walking into the valley. He sees the giant. He sees the enemy army. He sees his friends, his brothers. They're all looking at him. And the first thing he does is he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Why is that important? Because here's what he's doing. At the most critical time in his life, he is acknowledging the name of the Lord. Why is that important? Because I think oftentimes in critical moments in our life, the first thing we acknowledge is our feelings. Not the name of the Lord. The first thing is we ask ourselves is how I feel. Can I just tell you that feelings are something you have? Feelings are not something you are. Feelings aren't facts. Why do I say that? Because what you place first place in your life has priority. And what you prioritize, you empower. But let me say this. Fear has a name. It's called fear. And we know that fear was there because listen to David's voice. Listen to what he says. He says, I will not fear. Listen to the words. I will. I make a choice. There's fear all around me, but my will is going to determine my emotions. 
My will is going to determine how I feel. So I will not feel fear. Why? Because I have the name and I know the name of the Lord. If you follow this series, what you're going to find out is the people in the Bible who did amazing things, they did it because they knew his name. Not just in theory or hypothetically, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. They knew that. They understood that. And fear was present, but he says, I will not act out of fear. I will not fear. Listen, he could have walked in and said, man, this is a dark valley. I'm going to stand in the shadow of Goliath. Man, look at all these people. No, you know what? Listen, David is declaring the name of the Lord. And here's what we learned from David. David knew that we activate God's name by declaring it. We activate his name by declaring it. So what David is doing as he's going into the most critical time of his life, he is releasing his faith in the name of the Lord. How do we know that? Because he's actually speaking it. He's speaking it. Now, let me just tell you this. You have access to the name of the Lord. And as I'm going to go further down, let's fast forward for a moment because we're going to get to the name above all names, which all of these names, that's what it is. The name above all names is Jesus. But listen, my friends, you have access, but access is not enough if you don't activate it. If you have access but never activate the name, you will never get the results of the name that you had access to. Oh, I thought I'd get a better amen than that. We're going to have to make the coffee a little stronger in the lobby. But you have to allow your faith to activate the power that's in that name for every situation. This is why David said, Psalm 91 verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Watch this. My God in whom will I trust? Didn't Moses say, he asked God, he says, who do I say that sent me? Right? So faith is expressed when you release your word. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13 says this, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. So confession is faith's expression. We need to start saying it loud. Listen, my church family, the time is past for quiet Christianity. I'm going to try this side. The time is past for quiet Christianity. It's time. Listen, the Bible says in James chapter five, verse 16, it says, it says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. That word of fervent effectual means this to put forth some power. This isn't, I pray in my head. Oh, pastor Phil, could you pray for me? Sure. Amen. You think, I'm, you think I'm making fun of people? But let me just say, I know people who have been saved for 10 years and they still can't say a prayer out loud because they're too afraid what people are going to think. The time for quiet Christianity is over. Listen, the Bible says you don't just think about the mountain being removed. <clears throat> no, the Bible says you speak to the mountain. You have to speak it. Let me say it this way. You have to declare it, right? You have to declare to the mountain. I'm excited about this because I started declaring things instead of requesting things. Some of us are requesting what God has already given you. 
Healing has already been given, my church family. That's like, and here we are, Lord, would you heal me? That's like me telling my son on Monday, hey, we're going to church on Sunday. Him waking up on Sunday, go, Dad, are we going to church? I already told you we're going to church. Why are you requesting what I've already given you permission to do and to have, right? The Bible says that in Peter, it says, he says this, by his stripes, you were healed. It's already done. So you declare and you say, Pastor Phil, I want scripture on that. I'm glad you want scripture on that because this is how the apostles acted in Acts. Remember when Peter and John were walking up to the gate, beautiful, remember? And there was a man who was lame for 40 years and he asked for alms. And what did Peter and John say? Peter said this, he said, silver and gold have I none, but Jesus, if it's your will, please heal him. Is that what he said? That's not what he said. He said, silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. It's time to get up. It's, time, it's our time now to get up. It's, it's time to get up. No, and the Bible says, watch this. And then he reached out his hand like if what he said was going to work. And so he reached out his hand and a man who never walked, never knew what it was like to walk, got up after 40 years of never knowing how to walk. And excuse my imagination, but I have an imagination. And I just think he looked like, how many of you seen the Wizard of Oz when the scarecrow starts to walk for the very first time? Remember, he can, and he's going over here and he's going over there. I think that's what happens. He didn't know, he never knew what it was like to walk. But you know what? Peter and John didn't request. They declared because they knew the name. You know, we had a couple in our church this last week who um, they went to another country and they're trying to bring their mom over and they needed a visa. The visa didn't go through the last time, but they said, we're flying out to go get her. Pastor Phil, would you agree? Yeah, listen, we're not just gonna agree. We're gonna declare, right? We're gonna declare that there's favor. We're gonna declare that this visa is gonna go through in the name of Jesus. And then watch this, because this is bold. We said, it's gonna be done in Jesus' name. Guess what? They got the visa. It was approved. But you're gonna have to declare declare you are healed. Tell your kids when they wake up and they're, dad, I'm sick. You are healed in the name of Jesus. Healing come into this body in the name of Jesus. Be manifest in Jesus name. Oh, Phil, that sounds bold. No, it actually sounds like I value what Jesus did on the cross instead of going, Jesus, do you think you could? Do you think you would? Look at what Jesus did. Everything Jesus did was in line with the Father. So if he was healing, then he wasn't being obedient to his Father. But you're going to have to declare. That means your words matter. What you think, you have to, you can't speak everything you think. You know, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, he said, Take therefore no thought, saying, what shall I eat? What should I drink? What should we be? Listen, stop giving your words your worries. Let me, I put it this way. Stop giving your words to your worries. Or I could say it this way. Stop wording your worries. You know why? Because whatever you worry about, it will master you. You know what your, your words are? Your words are thoughts with sound. Your words are bringing your thoughts into the atmosphere. Proverbs 6 verse 2 says this. You are snared by the words of your mouth. That's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say it. So. 
So this time for just, I'm praying in my head. I'm worshiping in my head. You don't want to hear my voice? No, but the Bible says we're supposed to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. One shout from the children of Israel caused the walls of Jericho to fall down. One shout, ladies and gentlemen. So you want to know why we have it loud in here? Because we need to shout. Now, I just want to deal just real quick with all the people that say, that's not my personality. This isn't about a personality. It's about your spiritual DNA. And it's funny because I will see gentlemen come into a worship service. They will be like this. Right? And then I invite that same guy over to my house when the L.A. Chargers are playing. And guess what they do? They ain't standing there like this. They are a crazy maniac for a team chasing a pig skin ball, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, you have a reason to shout. You have a reason to sing. You have a reason to worship because our God is victorious. But you're going to have to open up your mouth and shout. Come on, let's try it. Let's try it. Come on. So this is important because David said, he declared, the Lord is my shepherd. That means the Lord is. Right now, as he's walking into the valley, he says, I know the Lord is with me. And this is so cool because I think this is something that we overlook. He says, he's my shepherd. In other words, he's present and he's personal. I want to say that again. He's present and he's personal. You may not be walking into a valley, right, with Goliath per se, but you may be walking into a valley with a diagnosis that is a name. But you know what? God is present and he's personal. Can I hear a good amen today? So David's faith brought the power that the name that the name into reality let me say it again David's faith brought the power that was in the name into reality so he declares the Lord is my shepherd then he says this I shall not want that word means want in the Hebrew means diminish or decrease or lack this is important because David is going to give us an indicator right here if the Lord really is our shepherd. Because he says this, Psalms 23, verse 2. Are you glad you came today? He says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Listen to these words. He leads me beside the still waters. Watch. He restores my soul. If you have PTSD, ADHD, ADAD, even if you have AT&T, come on, somebody. He can restore your soul. But listen, he restores my soul. And then again, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. That word there, namesake, means because of his reputation, because of his fame, and because of his glory. But here's the indicator. David is saying, the Lord is your shepherd if you will allow him to lead you. Now listen, this is important. Here's where he wants to guide you. He says, the good shepherd wants to lie me down in green pastures, okay? Lying down for a sheep, they don't lie down unless they are full of food and they are free from any type of predators. So a sheep will lie down when he eats and is full. And there's rest. This denotes rest. And for us, the Bible calls us sheep. And Jesus says he is the good shepherd. So when we feed on his word, there is rest that comes into our life. But I think this is important. This word makes me lie down is not a word of force because, listen, Jesus doesn't drive the sheep. He leads the sheep. I want to say that again. 
Why is that important? That denotes that there is a part from the sheep to play. That when he comes, I have to say yes to his leading. I have to say yes to his leading, right? So will you allow the Lord to make you? That word make you is, watch, to form or to fashion your life. Do you remember when Jesus said to to Peter, he said, follow me and I will force you to be a fisherman? He said, no, if you follow me, I will mold and fashion your life into a fisher of men. You know what I love about it? Peter's like, yes, and what's a fisher of men? Like, where can you find that job description, right? You can't go like on Indeed and go, hey, fisher of men. Oh, this sounds like he didn't even know what Jesus was talking. And he's like, yes, I will follow you. I will follow you. But will you allow the Lord to lead you? This word make is defined as forming, to bring forth. So these sheep are being led and not driven. And he leads me into still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. So let me ask you this. Who are you following? Who are you allowing to lead you? Because if Jesus is not in the first place, then something else is. But you have to know this. Whatever you're following is forming you. Whatever you are pursuing is persuading you. And so here lies the tension for a lot of people that are living right now. Well, Phil, if the Lord is such a good shepherd, why am I still afraid? Why am I still lacking? Well, being afraid can come from, it's not that you're acknowledging him, it's not that you're not declaring but you haven't allowed him to lead you. More often than not, sheep follow sheep instead of following the shepherd. Your sheep that you're following may be the news. Do you know, I was looking at sheep, and we have some people in the church that have sheep. If you ever have dealt with sheep, (laughs) this is why God calls us the sheep. They're stubborn. They have to be led. Do you know that if a sheep is around dirt and doesn't see grass, it will die because it has to be led. It has to be led. But it's interesting because if one sheep will start to run, a lot of them will start to run and they don't even know why they're running. Do you know somebody I was reading on the internet? How many of you know if it's on the internet, it's true. How many of you know that if it's there? They said, if you can get one sheep to go in a circle they will have many others that will start going in a circle because they follow sheep. There was an incident. Now, this is true. There was an incident in Turkey. One sheep just began to run. So 15 other sheep just began to run too. And guess what happened? One jumped off a cliff. So 400 just went off the cliff with the sheep. Everybody say, oh, say that's bad. I say that to you because as a pastor, I've watched people even leave churches, not because they're following the good shepherd, it's because they're following other sheep. And I'm gonna tell you something, my heart breaks for those people because I like to follow up with those people. And guess what? Many of them are not in church today because they were following somebody who hurt them or somebody who was hurt, and now they're hurt because they weren't following the good shepherd, they were following other sheep. And all of us are being led by something. And I think this is so important, right? Paul said this, follow me as I follow Christ. Watch. Paul said, if you follow me, you're going to start acting more like Jesus. So this is the question I have for you. If I start to follow you, where are you going to take me? 
If I'm going to follow you, what do I get? Do I get a bunch of pet peeves and your opinions and things that you don't like and who you're angry with? If I follow you, will I be more like Jesus? And here's why I say that. Because if you don't like the direction of your life today, you have to change who you're following. That's why my goal is not even so much to be a better leader to you, all that I want to do. My goal is to be a better follower of Jesus. So when you follow me, I can say like Paul did, follow me as I follow after Christ. Because I'm following the good shepherd because I want to be a good shepherd. And I'm, man, I'll tell you what, that sobers my life to think if someone's going to follow me, what are you going to get? Can I help some parents today? Look at your kids. Maybe that'll tell you a little bit about who you are. All right, I'll say it to the screen here real quick. My kid this, my kid that. I know, you're the leader, and they got to follow you. Our son, when he was like, you know, they call it the terrible twos. We called it the terrific twos because we wanted to be careful about our declarations. Come on, somebody. But he would get down on the floor and just start yelling, and we would just speak to him and say, we don't act like that. The Valdezes don't act like that. That's not how big boys act. You know, you have to, but they're following you. But here's my question. If I were to follow you, what kind of person would I be? Would I be a better Christian? Or if I followed you, I wouldn't be coming to church. I'd come to church maybe once every Sunday or, or you know, maybe, you know, when I, when I feel like it. What would I get being your friend and following you? I say all that because David not only made a declaration, the Lord is my savior. Oh, please get this today. David's declaration and the direction of his life were consistent. David didn't just say the Lord is my shepherd and then go lead his life the way he wanted to. He had a declaration, but the direction of his life was following the good Shepherd, this is how you know if you're actually really following him. You're not just declaring the direction of your life is going where he's going. That's where the power, it is good. It is good because a lot of people can declare that the Lord is my shepherd, but they're living the way that they want to live. Listen, the direction your life is heading proves that you believe what you are declaring. I'm going to say that again. The direction your life is heading proves you believe what you are declaring. And most people never experience Psalm 23 because they declare it, but they won't allow God to lead them. They won't allow themselves to be led by God. And David isn't just declaring his life's direction is going in the direction of his declaring. So we can sit here and talk about how powerful your words are, and declaring, but don't do it and undo the power of your words by the direction of your life going the opposite way. Come on, somebody. Now, you may say, Pastor Phil, I'm, I'm struggling here. I want to go the right direction. Absolutely. Then start declaring. You start and you start to speak over your life. It's going to help. But listen, here's what I want to say. David's life reflected that of a sheep that was following the good shepherd. How do I know? Because as he's walking into the valley, he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He didn't say the Lord is my shepherd and then hide behind a rock. He didn't say I will fear no evil and then go hide behind the armies of Israel. 
And that's where you find a lot of people. They're saying a lot of stuff, but their life is not backing up what they're saying. And I'm going to tell you this because I get a little bit passionate. Can you tell? Because the world is watching and they see that our words don't line up with what we, what we live. And then they're like, I don't want that. But could you imagine a church that says the Lord is my good shepherd and we declare it, but then our life goes in that direction. Can you imagine how powerful that would be? Oh, you're leaving me up here by myself. That's all right. Are you glad you came to church today? There's a part of believing in your heart, not just saying with your mouth that you declare. So David believes in the power of God's name to the point that he doesn't even fear any evil. And you know what? Say, Phil, that's just pretty, that's pretty out there. Yeah. David was the only one on the field headed towards Goliath. Everybody else was, was in fear. So you may have to stand alone and I'm okay being up here with no amens. Because there's a time where you're going to have to walk in that valley and it may seem like you're alone. But you know what David says? He says, he is with me. He is with me. David understood something because he's declaring the Lord is my shepherd. David understood this. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. God always saves the righteous. He says, your rod and your staff comfort me. I want to talk just for a minute about this because the good shepherd not only provides for his sheep, but he protects the sheep. You know, as a pastor, I have to answer a lot of questions because some people don't understand this aspect of God. He is a provider, but he is also a protector. And when you have kids, you understand this. But I have people ask me, hey, you know, Phil, so if God is so good, you know, why did he flood the earth? Why? And I, the answer is always the same, to save the righteous. Because there was only one family at that time that was righteous. And it just shows you, it, it depends on your perspective, right? It depends on your perspective. There was one family who was righteous. Look what God would do to save one family. He'll have them build an ark. And you know what? When they built the ark, Noah and his family lived at another level where other people were drowning. They were living above where everybody else was drowning because God will always save the righteous. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, God was going to destroy it. What did Abraham said? If there's 50 righteous, God, if you're 50, they couldn't find 50 righteous, right? And then he goes down. And then finally, it's only Lot's family. You know what? In the midst of Sodom and Gomorrah, God saved Lot and his family because God always saves the righteous. We have seven righteous people clapping over here. Thank you. He saves the righteous. Because there are wolves that come in sheep clothing. There are wolves that come to take the sheep. And you know what? He talks about his rod. God, the rod of the shepherd comforts him. In other words, the rod protects. See, I want to tell you, it's, it's, it's hard for people. Because they're like, God just, doesn't, doesn't God just love everybody? He loves people. But you know what? There is a time where you don't want to try his patience because people become wicked. And then God had to make a decision with Noah. All right, do I just let them die among the wicked? He couldn't. You know why? Jesus had to come through the lineage of Noah. And there was a bigger picture than all of the wicked. It was there would be people who would need to be saved. So Jesus would have to come through the righteous. And he saved Noah. And throughout the lineage, he used people. So Jesus could come so you and I could be saved and could be righteous. Come on, if you appreciate that, give the Lord a good round of applause. (laughs) 
He always saves the righteous. He always saves the righteous. I think something else that David could teach us today, and I don't know if you've ever struggled with this, but when I was reading this, it really touched my heart. David understood that the presence of an enemy, the presence of an enemy doesn't mean the absence of the shepherd. Let me say it this way. Don't make the mistake of thinking that the presence of the enemy means the absence of God. Goliath was there, but guess what? So was God. And I think sometimes we have this misconception that as a Christian, you're never going to face battles. No, you'll face battles. The Bible doesn't say that in this world it's all going to be peaceful. The Bible actually says in this world you will have trouble. But you know what? Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. There is giants, but listen, you have a God that is bigger than Goliath. I said, you have a God that is bigger than Goliath. You have a God that's bigger than diabetes. You have a God that's bigger than cancer. You have a God that is bigger than financial lack. But I think what happens sometimes is that you see things, and so automatically you doubt the presence of God. But the Bible never says that we'll never see the waters of circumstances try to drown you. The Bible never says that we'll, we won't see some fiery situations. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Verse number 3, ready? For I Come on, because what? Because what? Because I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. The reality of it is, Ash, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you can actually be standing in the fire and not be burned because there's a fourth man in the fire with you that looks like the Son of God. Yep, yep, they actually turned the, the heat up seven times. But listen, this is important. The Bible says that when they walked out of the fiery season, they didn't even smell like smoke. That the people that threw them in the fire died because it was so hot. But when they walked out, their hair didn't even smell like smoke. You know why? Because I am is with you. But if you freak out with the fire, when you freak out with the water, you need to start getting back to your declarations and say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, you have to understand something about the Lord. Sometimes he totally will move an enemy away from you. Sometimes, like the children of Israel, all of Egypt's army was annihilated in the Red Sea. But sometimes, if God is keeping an enemy around you, you need to know what David said, because David said, you prepare a table in the midst of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. So watch this. I really believe, right, when you know God's character, he can work in you right in the middle of what the enemy's doing. And here's the greatest revenge for your enemy. They have to watch the power of God flow through you even while they're there. The enemy has to watch you eat in plenty and be anointed and God's power go through you. To me, that is the greatest revenge. So if there is an enemy that's around you that just hasn't left, you better just know that God has anointed your head with oil and his, his cup, David says, it's not just little drips. He says, my cup is running over. So the enemy has to actually watch your life be blessed to overflow. I'm telling you what, that's some type of revenge. I thought about this. I said, because... 
What's so great about this? You know what's so great about this? Is everything that David is describing is actually what the enemy tries to steal from you. He tries to make you lack. He tries to make you powerless. But you know what? Now he has to watch what God has to do and is going to do in your life. Come on, somebody. He has to stand there and as he tried, know that he couldn't fail. That in the midst of whatever diagnosis or whatever it is, right, that you have the power of God. It's a spectacle that the enemy has to watch what God is doing in your life. And then David, he knew he would win. Do you know you're going to win? Because watch this. This is how I know David knew he was going to win. Because he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will not decrease. I declare in Jesus name today, you will not decrease. Come on, if you receive that, put your hands up in the air and wave them like you just do care and say, I will not decrease in Jesus' name. Come on, say increases in my future. Come on, increase. Come on, say, enemy, you cannot make me diminished or decrease in Jesus' name. But David says something this. He says this, and I love it. He says, even if you back me up on the battlefield, you're going to back me up right into goodness and mercy. So if I take a step back, even what's behind me is better than what the enemy has in front of me. So even if I do take one step back, I'm backing up because behind me is goodness and mercy. I have to sob because I feel the presence of the Lord. Because some of you, when you look back, you see your past. You see the abuse. You see the devastation of what happened in your life. But God can do such a work and anoint your life and lead you to green pastures that when you look back, you no longer see the prison and the pain, but you lift your hands and you say, God, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy today. That my past is no longer a prison. My past is no longer a prophecy for my life. When I look back, God, I see goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, all the days of my life. And David said this, I will dwell in your house forever. I'm a little skeptical with people who tell me the Lord is their shepherd, but they won't come to his house. I'm just going to be honest with you. A heart for God always translates into a heart for his house. Well, you know, I don't have to be a Christian and come to church. Yeah, I could be married and never go home. We'd still be married, maybe for a while. But how good would the relationship be? Right? And it shows me by that when you say it doesn't matter if I come to his house. That's like me telling my wife it doesn't matter if I come home. You don't understand love. You don't understand sacrifice. But that's one of the reasons I believe that David was called a man after God's own heart because David was sitting in his palace and he saw the tent and the tabernacle and he saw that God was residing in the tent and he says, I am here and I reside in a, in a, in a, in a, in a palace. He says, we need to make a home, a permanent home for God. He would just sit there and think about the house of God. And you know what? He didn't build it. He helped build it, but Solomon built it because he had a heart for God's house. He had a heart for God's house. 
And I'm going to tell you, the more you come to God's house, the more you will have a heart for it. You will. Because he, I always say this, he loves when his children come together. We do. Because there's faith in this room. Not just your faith, but there's a faith that can fill this room where the miraculous can happen. Do you know the Bible says that how good and sweet it is when brethren come together? In one of the next verses, it says, there he commands a blessing. In other words, there's a blessing that when we come together as the children of God corporately, that you can't just get in your prayer closet. There is a blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. And you know what David tells us and he reminds us? All of this is for his namesake, for his glory and his reputation. He is telling us that when I face Goliath, God's name is in question, not mine. And it's going to be about his reputation. And my church family, God doesn't lose a battle. I said, God doesn't lose a battle. I said, God never fails. He always wins. And that is your shepherd. Come on, it's my shepherd. Come on, would you stand with me today? Did you learn something? Did you see that chapter just a little bit different? Everybody look at me. God didn't give all of himself to David because he was David. The same shepherd that David knew is your shepherd. But here's the thing about David. David desired it more than most people. David wanted it more. He'd think about God and his love today. And the same God that killed Goliath for David is the same God that's going to kill your giant if you will say, I will not fear. And I want to remind you, David didn't say, I will not fear, and then walk backwards. David said, I will not fear, and he walked right towards the giant because his declaration and the direction of his life were consistent. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. We thank you, Lord. Thank you today for your presence. Lord, I want to repent because sometimes we just take these verses and we put them on a plaque and we just say that's cute. And, but you've given us your name to be carriers of your name. To walk into situations where most people don't even come out of, but we can actually walk through. That's what David said. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. It doesn't matter how big the shadow. It doesn't matter how dark the valley or deep. When the Lord is with you, you overcome. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we say today we will not fear. Come on, if today you want the Lord to lead you, and you would say, and be honest, you know, Phil, I, I'm a little like the, the, the sheep that has just been going my own way. But today, if you say, Lord, I want to make a commitment. I, I want to follow you with all my heart. I just want you to lift your hands all across this place. 
Lord, lead us. We're tired of going our own way. We're tired of doing our own thing. You promised that you would lead us to green pastures. That's abundance. Green pastures are are fresh. We thank you, God, that you are good. You are my good shepherd. And we worship you today. Come on, just say this with me. Say, lead me, God. Come on, lead me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There are some of you today that you need answers from God and you just got your answer. The Lord is saying, if you will allow him to lead you, you will figure it out. He will make it and turn things around for you. But you have to allow him to lead you. You have to surrender your heart and allow yourself to be led. Not by your feelings, not by your anger, not by your revenge, but you need to surrender to him. Lord, today we say you are the Lord of our life. Come take your place. King Jesus, come take your place. Take your place, first place, above my opinion, above what I feel, above my pet peeves, have your way today in our lives. Lead me. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.